You are now tuned into the R2 Cents Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Our Two Cents Podcast. I am one half of the hosting by the name of BJ. You can definitely follow me on all things social media like at BJ. That's D-E-R-G-O-B-J on all social media. And I'm sitting directly next to my co-host by the name of... Mona Lisa, M-O-H-N-A-L-Y-S-S-A-A. And that is not Mona Lisa, but Mona Lisa. And this is episode number 12 for us. And um, again, want to give a shout out to all of the women that uh, participated in the last episode that we put out, episode 11, which was called the Little Dick Therapy Session. Um, we got <laughs> quite a bit of feedback from some um, credible women in podcasting. But today we have another credible person. And podcasting on today's show that I just love, admire, and adore. This is my baby. I take ownership and I kill you over my baby. And she is just so amazing. She's doing so many great things with her creativity. Has a wonderful YouTube page. She's graduating in the next couple of days. We say like a twenty. Yeah. Couple days, you know, and um, I'm happy as fuck. I got my baby TK, also hey. known as Takenya, in here today. Hello, what's going on, baby? Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so happy that you are here. Um, we been saying that we need to be, you know, a little bit more expressive and talking to more people mm-hmm. on this platform. It's always just she and I, and I noticed that we kind of only had Detroit podcasters. On so far, show. that's the only way to go. So far, because we had a uh, Penrose. Shout outs to Penrose. We had him hey, bro, on bro. Uh, a episode, um, a couple of episodes ago, maybe like two, because I think he was on ten. Mm-hmm. So um, we've been consistent with having our Detroit podcasters on. But how you been since you've been moving and grooving out here in the collegiate world and <laughs> the YouTube world? I've been super stressed, but. <laughs> You know, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful struggle. I'm ready for these 28 days to come on and and, and hurry up. But it's I'm I'm excited for what's to come and for the unknown. So I've been I've been good. So you have I'm sure a lot of things to talk about once the the degree comes. And Man, I, I could just tell <laughs> because you still have like you still have a very very positive presence yeah and uh, one thing that i was uh trying to like figure out when it comes to why i cherish this relationship i came to the realization is that you helped me understand like my younger siblings Mm -hmm. because i'm so disconnected from so many things that they feel and think and say and you have that millennial understanding and you have that you know the way to decode certain things that it helps me to understand well maybe my sister ain't as fucked up as i think she is Mm -hmm. because maybe she's really expressing something within her feelings yeah so um you definitely have that you know that positive voice and we got a lot to talk about today i'm excited but first (laughs) i need to know how y'all doing how y'all being i've been doing okay just pretty much trying to plan out uh 2019 I don't want to wait until January, so right. I take November and December every year to really try and figure out what 
is necessary to be changed and what direction I want my life to go in and just kind of not waiting until the following year to do all those things. Yeah, it's definitely hard to get a head start when you start at the starting point. Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. that's me. You know, I'd be January 1st, like, but shit, let me just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just give yourself a head start and let it go. Yes. I don't know, man. I just, I want so much more than what I'm actually doing, though. Like, you know, like, I kind of feel like I need a bridge, like something to get me over some of these hurdles that I'm dealing with. But then if I just want to come back, I should be able to do that. Like, I need something that's going to get me equally excited. You should never want to go back. You always go forward. Oh, good point. Good point. But maybe I, I don't I don't necessarily think there's so much going back to something bad, though. I think that usually when I say go back to, it's like I'm stuck at a point with it mm-hmm. and I can't move it forward. But instead of just forcing the process mm-hmm. and even with creativity, like, you know, doing the, the other shows and not having anything to say for that platform, but just forcing yourself to do it because you're obligated to the so responsibility. So you mean stepping away from stepping it for a while. Stepping away from Okay. And then come back to well, it. Well, that's okay. I understand that. Yeah, I can dig it. But I definitely want to have more things to um, invest in this year. So I want to make bigger and better investments. Mm-hmm. I've been dealing with a lot of people um, in so many instances that tell me things that I don't even see in myself. Mm. And I know that's the same for you guys too, because like it's moments when I like step back and look at all of what you guys are doing. I'm like, damn, I didn't even know that she was doing that. You know what I'm saying? And Hmm. it's those moments when a person tells you like, you know, you need to read more about emotional intelligence because your perspective is very adverse Mm -hmm. from a lot of people's issues. And that, that stuff never gets questioned. Mm-hmm. Um, people that tell me that when you speak, you always think about the person first before you think about what you're ready to say. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times your compassion, even though you're telling the truth, is received better because you're still letting it, letting the person know that I care about you first. And not everybody has that. Yeah. yeah. Compassion is something that is very lacking. And I think it kind of goes into our conversation a yeah, little bit that we're going to be does. getting into. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, a lot of people lack thinking about other people's feelings. And not that you just totally write it off, but it's kind of like, well, my feelings matter and they come first. And I don't know. Some people just say, forget it. Forget what you're going through. I got to deal with me. Right. And right. not everybody can just come and say, well, I know I'm hurt. I know I'm feeling something. But how are you feeling too? Mm-hmm. Not everybody yeah. has the space to do that. And that's actually perfect as far as the segue into the conversation. Um, Let's ask her about her, her how her week uh, been. No, yeah. we didn't get there. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was getting ready to try a great conversation. Like, what's up? What's up? <laughs> My week has been good. I was telling Mona um, before we had a brief intermission <laughs> that um, I have been really taking care of my mental health because of well i'm in school and i work so i go to school full time and i'm working and then i don't know like a, a lot of, well, i don't talk about it a lot but on my past platforms when i started to kenya talks i was talking about a lot of the death that i had in my family mm-hmm. 
And so it's coming to a head now that I'm graduating that, you know, they are gone and they won't be there, even though I'm very grateful. I always say I'm grateful for my pop family because I feel like they feel the void that I had lost mm-hmm. during that time. But it's still coming to a head because I know that they won't physically be there. And so the emotions are starting to come. Depression is starting to set in and it was starting to affect school. Mm-hmm. So I had just most recently switched over to my therapist. Um, she's a black therapist. My first therapist was a white woman. Now I, I just feel like there's a deeper connection with my black therapist. And then we just started getting into the conversation about mental health and taking pills for depression, anxiety, and things of that nature. And about three weeks ago, when she first introduced it to me, because I was telling her, you know, I smoke sometimes and that's supposed to get me through. And she was like, okay, girl, well, whenever you decide to get with the pills, let me know. And I was just like, every week, it was, I just feel like I have been asked in the universe to push me further or better out of this funk because I want to get all that I can get out of college and all of out of this chapter so I can go to the next one. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really do believe that in this chapter is really getting a hold of how to deal with mental health moving forward into whatever I want to try to do. So right, she suggested right. that I go on depression pills. And so this week was me taking, this is my fourth day on it's called Babutrin. It's for uh it's antidepressant. And I've been taking it and I can honestly say that I felt better. But I also wanted to bring up the fact that in the black community, my first reluctance to taking them was because of the 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 what the stipulation around like, oh, you know you can't take pills, you crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was really my big fear, which is why it took me three years you no, know, three weeks and three sessions for me to be like Okay, girl, you write that the weed is not helping, this food is not helping. Like, it's just, I have to try something. So, I wanted to say that I feel like the the conversation around, we always have this conversation about mental health is real, but we don't go into to depth about, okay, what steps do we take? Right. So, therapy is one thing, but also in therapy, your therapist will suggest pills. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to want to do it, but for me, as of day four, it is working. That's that's good. Good. That's Very up. beautiful. <laughs> I would definitely suggest that um, we look a little bit more into the medications before we make those judgments because yes. I think that the stigma from the hood is pills are like drugs, which yeah. relates to addiction. Yep. So um, we're reluctant to even take the opportunities to get to know what the pills actually do. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about the pill conversation is. Like, I see all the time when I'm watching TV, they'll have, like, these advertisements for these strange pills, and then they say that the side effects are worse. Yes. You could possibly die. (laughs) Like, like that's not what I came to this one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up. Pump your brakes. (laughs) And... I think that that's what ultimately sets in our spirits when we hear the word pill because we look at the addiction aspect of it, not realizing that you have to overdose in order to even have an addiction. But people fear what they don't know. Right. So you, that's why it's important to talk to a professional Mm -hmm. and you ask the necessary questions in order for them to determine which pill and which dosage is appropriate for you. And then on top of that, you do your own research on the drug. Don't just stop there talking to that professional. Then you research and you determine if that's what fits for you. Right, right. But to totally denounce something that you haven't even done your research on, that's kind of... Because it is helpful. I will tell you that. Mm-hmm. Like, my, 
I I would get frustrated with how sad I could get mm-hmm. and then how much I could not pull myself out of it. So I would be in this whirlwind of you not feeling good, you not producing, you not doing what you got to do, but you can't fix yourself, so smoke. And then when you smoke, it just takes it away, but then nothing helps. Mm-hmm. So the medicine literally just took me out of the funk, and now I'm able to deal with the things that are happening mm-hmm. versus being in this downward circular, circular pattern of being sad, not knowing how to fix it, being mad because I can't fix it, and it's just like... Yeah. A spiral. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's helpful. I'm Damn. glad to hear that though. That, that is you on the positive. path. Yeah. Thank you. But today <laughs> we're talking about um another dysfunction that we have in communication and not knowing necessarily um how we can benefit from certain issues. Um one of the things that recently surfaced was the uh video of uh John Gray. Child. And as a man you know, just starting from, you know, my position personally, because I'm the only male in this conversation, I was extremely offended at the attacks on said gentleman being open and honest about one, the mistake that he may have made and not being emotionally developed as he was supposed to be in his relationship. Coming to the realization that he had been figuratively carried. In the relationship. Now, the verbiage that he chose, I totally disagree with. But being an intuitive person, I believe myself to understand what he was trying to convey. Even Reading though, between the lines. Right. And understanding. Yeah. And um, he goes as far as to say that my wife endured more giving birth to me than she did our two children. And immediately... It was a shit storm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to simply put, a shit storm. <laughs> that particular line, I think, is what has everyone in the outrage because it's like when you say it like that, then that presents a magnitude of hurt. And it's almost like if you are aware that you have hurt her that bad. Why are you with her? Right. God damn. <laughs> if I can jump in real quick, I think that he found a very colorful way. Ooh. Of expressing his admiration for his wife. And I think at the end of the day, even though his verbiage was very extreme, (laughs) he was simply trying to just say, I respect and honor my wife for helping me grow into a better being. And I think sometimes instead of picking apart specific words, we we need to learn to read between the lines. Because here was a man who was simply trying to say, I could stand to be better and I and I wasn't, you know, necessarily doing it because I was a hurt man. And here was a woman who saw potential enough in me to stick by me and help me through it. And I think also a lot of the comments I saw was girl by boy by I ain't raising no grown ass man. Send him back to his mama. Don't put that shit on his mama. His mama raised him. And she did her part as far as we know. And we have to stop trying to send somebody back to their mother because this is his choice to be that way. If he's damaged, then he needs to go off by himself and find himself. And we can't keep just like trying to push him back to his mom. But then when you think about when you say um, how we discard men back to their mothers, understand the parallels between a man's mother and a man's partner. A lot of times, there are some intricate detail to the woman he picks 
and his mom. Hmm. So naturally, mm-hmm. when you say send him back to the mama, you're wondering why he keep coming back to you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying that it's okay for him to allot this much time on self in a marriage and then say, oh, well, now that she done put in her time, this is what I'm going to give her. Right. I'm going to give her a Benz and a church name. <laughs> I'm not saying that. What I will say is I understand a lot of the questions and arguments that come up in relation to the video because it does prompt us to ask necessary questions in order. How do we stop this cycle of being this way? Because women should not, at the end of the day, have to keep enduring pain. Mm -hmm. But we need to further propel these conversations. And I want the conversations to be focused on those issues as opposed to attacking him and his testimony, because I think he meant well. It was just delivered wrong. But before I go any further, what what, what do you say when you saw the video? What was your first reaction? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, so it was, it was, when I first watched it, I was more so like, it wasn't him. It was the women and how they responded mm-hmm. to the shit that he was saying, because it was like they were egging on, further perpetuating the idea that woman is supposed to just endure pain. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they were like, ooh, yes, God, yes, she was a coverer. I said nobody hears the amount of trauma this woman had to deal. Like, he just said that he just birthed, she birthed three kids in this relationship, and one of them was him. And y'all are praising this. That's mm-hmm. where I was like, this 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 show, all of this is too mm-hmm. much. That was my first reaction. Like, okay, all right. Then when I went back and listened to it, I was like, I get where he's coming from. I also thought about how pastors, this is the same pastor that was at the table with Trump when the other pastor said, Trump was the best president for black people. Well, that's neither. Who here said that? Yeah. Whoever was, he was at I the can't table. It wasn't him. It was somebody no, else. It was somebody, oh, but okay. they let him say it. Right. This is the same mm. man who, like, he he gets away with saying the things that he says because pastors can throw, like, little, a sprinkle of voice and, and metaphors, and it just sounds like, yeah. oh, this is a word, hallelujah. And I feel like they didn't have... I personally feel like somebody should have just challenged or asked the question. Yes. Because it was not, I don't feel like it was a conversation. I think that they had him on the show just to kind of woo the the viewers with mm-hmm. his way of words. And I feel like, well, this was a whack interview because nobody challenged his ideology. Did you see the whole, in, the whole show? Because I didn't see the, I just looked at the clip. So I'm not sure the whole context of the no, I didn't watch conversation, the and I looked for it. I couldn't yeah, really, find, really it. find it. Yeah, no, it's not. I didn't see it either. I just okay. saw that clip, but I still feel like even in that clip, I just feel like it wasn't. It didn't feel like an interview. It was more so like him coming to woo the women mm-hmm. and and bring up women and teach women, which is what men are in position mm-hmm. to do, which is crazy to me to teach women how to be a woman. And I was like, this is just not helpful at all for the culture. But Mm -hmm. now we're looking at a situation where we have women trying to tell men how to be men. Okay. So we look at, we look at the conversation and I'm just going to go, you know, paraphrase piece by piece, the stuff that sticks out. Mm -hmm. He starts off the conversation by saying, my wife was much greater than I was. Right. Or however he put it was, she's a, she's a covering She's two sizes too big, and I'm still having to grow into her. Now, while I grow up, I realize that there's a certain point, even in church, when you think about the process of joining church, they usually make you get baptized. 
which yep. which is the inclination of being born again, right? You go through this process, you give your hand to the pastor, give your confession to God, they immerse you in the water, you come out supposedly a new being. We know that that baptism does not declare a difference in at most all. people at all. All it did was mess up my edges. so in this ideal of saying that you know giving birth a lot of times you give birth to something that you cannot even control Mm -hmm. doesn't determine any changes doesn't determine an upbringing doesn't determine the sexuality you just gave birth to something beyond your control and here are women saying they're tired of giving birth to things and people that become problematic to them in their spiritual, in their emotional, in their physical being. I think right, that so they were saying they were tired of giving birth to things that aren't their children. Because he's not okay. her child. Like I don't think that we are tired of giving birth because that's a part of our of a cis hetero woman's I mean cis woman's job is to give birth or life to another being. And it's tiring when we're also casted to help a birthed man become another person because it's like my my whole existence is not to just give birth. Right, right. Like right. I'm more than that. Like nine months, I'm supposed to give birth, and that's it. So when we're talking about okay, we know our typical fuck nigga who just don't do. <laughs> he don't have no ambition in being right. He yeah. just right, wants right. to play the game, do whatever, use people and go. So that, no, nobody can do anything with that. Mm -hmm. He has to go off and find his own way. Mm -hmm. But for a man who has the best of intentions but still not there yet, as women, I mean, are we just unwilling to help him along? Because nobody is perfect and everybody has room for growth and and everybody, you know, does wrong and has room for correction. So, if a man is trying to find his way and he's doing the best, but he's still not quite, you know, mm-hmm. measuring up, do you tell him you need to go figure it all out and then come back to me? Or do you stand by and help him to get there? I will just bet my opinion. I think that I agree that men are, they have to, you know, grow and that's something out of their socialized to be. I just feel like, why is the woman responsible to make sure he's growing? Well, I don't think it is necessarily a responsibility because I don't ever feel like I'm responsible to make sure that a man is whole mm-hmm. as a human being and that he should be responsible to, you know, to help me be whole as a person. But I think sometimes when you're interacting with other people. I don't know. Because what if you think you're whole, but then you meet somebody and realize yeah. I'm really not. not yeah. right. We usually mirror, like, the people we attract are mirrors of us. So when you get with somebody and you find yeah. out they're not, chances are the person you are isn't right. whole. So basically what we're saying is that when you realize that things are one-sided, that's the indication of two people not being complete. I agree. But that's not the narrative he was pushing. He pushed, she was whole. She was together. She was two t- sizes too big for me. And then so you and he also implied he knew that he was trash. Like in in the spiritual way, he said it. He said it in a, <laughs> a pretty way. He said I knew that I wasn't good enough for her. So why did that woman pick him? That that's and then why did you stay if you weren't if she wasn't because she saw herself? potential in him. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. Now because, um, you're not okay. You're 
not satisfied with having to birth the man. You're not satisfied with the man being created in such a way by women to where Mm -hmm. he goes off to another woman and be his full potential. Mm -hmm. You're not satisfied with this. You're not also satisfied with the time that you spend sacrificing your personal, you know, wants, needs, desires, and those things because you feel like you've wasted time. So, like, where does the woman's position come in at in a relationship where she feels like she's getting her just due from a relationship? Like, where does it come in at? Because, like, I can't, I can only promise you to do my absolute best, but that still doesn't mean that I'm good. Right. Mm-hmm. You're making a self-assessment and then self-concept is ultimately what we're talking about because he never, even though he didn't say it, he never said that, okay, well, I had to pick her ass up too. But And that to me is a problem because he was pushing a narrative that woman has to say, this is the same narrative that plays out when they, when a black man, when Kaye jumped out the, the boat. Where's the black woman in his life to save him? It's like, why are we pushing that we are responsible for y'all? Why is it not, where's his equal? Where's the person? Y'all supposed to be helping each other. I do right, agree right. in that instance that that is wrong because we not here to yeah. save. We, we don't have capes just laying around and it, but it to save people. And I do time. think, and I understand, like I said, I understand both sides because I feel like oftentimes women are put in positions to be repairs, but then if we need us? repair... Where is he at? Mm-hmm. And I know they the exist. Angry black girls. Absolutely. That is what's portrayed more times than not. I don't want to see anybody in pain. I don't want to see Agreed. any man enduring pain. I don't want to see any woman enduring pain. Agreed. And me, the way that I am, I too, you know, come from a place of compassion where mm-hmm. I... I'm hurt, but I don't want you to be hurt either. So how do we stop this cycle? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like... Is kind of, yeah, the hurt people hurt people. And so he's hurt, but he's expressing it different from when how a woman would express her hurt. And I don't feel like we should just abandon one another as men or women anytime a person is going through anything. And so when that came up and everybody just like, that's trash. And what what bothered me too is like, if a woman sticks by a man, then it's like, she a doormat, she trash. Um, she had picked me and it's just like, why do we attack each other with these terms yeah, if we that. don't agree with a, pers- with a perspective and we're not even getting deep into it? You know, people don't have conversations and don't know how to debate or, you know, converse mm-hmm. with opposing views anymore. We just shoot out attacks and names and say, no, nah, fuck that. I ain't doing that. That's a pick me. That's a doormat. Yeah. And it's like, that's not fair. Right. But that's what my issue was with the show that I felt like there was nobody there to be like the other. Yeah. And, and, and I, saw, I was like, this, uh, this is not a conversation. This is a narrative being pushed mm-hmm. with other like-minded women. And this is not a representation of all black right. women. Well, that's not true. all sisters yeah. in the circle. That's because true. if had they had another sister there who didn't agree, I feel like had she spoke out they would have looked at her like, girl, you know, you're supposed to take care of your man. Girl, hush and go in the kitchen and cook. And that, like, it's just like, I mm. didn't I didn't like the 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 praise of that downtrodden, antiquated narrative. And do I do agree that there are some women, I don't think that we should use pick I do think mm-hmm. that there's, like, this negative 
um, vibration, lower vibrational energy when we do that. It's like you you calling somebody out their name, and when you do that, they don't want to hear you. This right, is why right. it's this big like riffraff because I'm saying niggas ain't trash, and you saying bitches ain't shit, and I don't want to hear you after you disrespecting right. me. So I do believe that there should be people in the middle, and I always feel like I'm that person that if we do it from love, we'll get so much more done. Yes. So now that we have um kind of like touched on like bits and pieces, I kind of want to break it up and touch on the spiritual aspect of a relationship because of course we're talking about two spiritual people Mm -hmm. and nowadays we don't really hear anything about divinity or divine order at all in a relationship because we also feel like religion oppresses us Mm -hmm. so one of the things that i remember coming up in church um that used to always get thrown at me when a person wanted me to deal with my own shit they will say that out of the abundance of the heart, the mm-hmm. mouth speaks, right? And just so happened, a multitude of mouths came out after this video surfaced. Mm-hmm. Now, we're dealing with a multitude of hurt women yeah. who want men to step up and be men mm-hmm. and represent themselves in such a way that a woman can say, I believe in you. Yeah. I trust you. I mm-hmm. value your opinion and your leadership. And I get it. And it is time for us to definitely man up figuratively and spiritually to take responsibilities for our women because one of the things that a woman brought to me in a sidebar conversation i had about the video is what men um can honestly say that they stuck by a woman while she had to mature Word. but the flip that we still can't get an answer to is it's probably never going to be that due to the fact that women have always matured Faster than men. But I understand that that's a, uh, the way we are socialized from the beginning. Right. And it's, 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 that's how, like, and that plays out in so many levels, like, through verbiage, through the way we raise our boys, through the way we make it seem like boys shouldn't be accountable because boys would just be boys. That starts off, like, in the, in the home as a child. Right, right. So it's, I don't think that that's just the way it is. I think that if we cognitively put forth effort and stop using these gender roles to tell say you do this you Mm -hmm. sit here woman you sit and you be quiet you don't talk to boys till you 16 and you go out and you figure out life because you're a boy and boys will be boys and you get to make mistakes like if we start from the beginning and raising children and letting them just be like we let boys be i don't think it would be such this like well women are just they that's just how we are it's like no we're socialized to be that way right 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 it's not like some by like something in our like biography what is the word? I don't know. In yeah. our uh, um, biology cells, that yeah. is just like <laughs> I'm a I'm a mess and I'm mature. So, like when I think about um, my personal issues with um, black masculinity, I, I I'm a man who um, have always been the guy that made the most money in my relationship. I'm the guy that always was told. Men are supposed to take care of their families. Men are supposed to do this, 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 and this. And the moment that I say, as a man, I'm financially strained by a relationship, they say, well, that's that's just part of the game. Just like you say, mm-hmm. you know, boys are going to be boys, mm-hmm. and you're just programmed to accept these things, you know, and these ideals don't necessarily work for the opposing side who still has developments to make. Mm -hmm. When a man says that he's in need of anything, whether it be financial, relationship, emotional support, what's the proper way to ask a woman, in your opinion, 
for those things without being degraded for it. Because my thing is, well, to me, when I look at the the ideas of when men complain about money, a lot of times what they're telling is they're meeting women who feel as though they should have a sense of disposable income. Now, you as a man may be fulfilling your obligations, but there's still a portion of this woman who believes that she deserves more. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with her declaring that she deserves more. But the problem is you have the issue of communicating that I'm limited on funding. Mm -hmm. And here are these relationships being built on financial requirements. So Mm -hmm. as a man, like, how do you say, well, babe, I don't have any money. I need your help without you feeling like you're being treated as a doormat or you're feeling like you're taken care of a grown adult. Mm. Like, how do you communicate those things? Because I want to be able to talk to my partner and say, if I have $2, can I borrow 20 without you looking at me like a beggar? Right. I want to be able to say my feelings are hurt without a woman saying, well, women go through so much shit. Nigga, join the club. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be able to communicate as a man and exercise my God-given right within my black masculinity Mm -hmm. to confess that I have feelings Mm -hmm. and I want women to hear me. So, like, how do you communicate these things to women without them feeling as though, you know, without them feeling away, period? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even want to put, like, a label on it because it can't be generalized. How do we understanding just has to be repaired on both ends? You know what I'm saying? I would love to hear. I mean, men already are naturally taught to be emotionally suppressive. Yep. So I think that we have to change in that regard to creating those spaces oh, for wow. that to be expressed more. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn to be more understanding when these things are expressed in order to be better. So it's work to be done on both sides as far as communication goes. And like I said, we just don't take the time anymore to really listen for understanding. We just shoot out insults because we don't like what we heard. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to change. So are we looking for, are we looking for therapy and other people? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because, yeah, absolutely. Because I can recall um, someone who needs help, but he seeks me for therapy. And I tell him, I can't do that because that's not, I can help you with a lot of things, but that's not one of them. Mm -hmm. I'm not a licensed clinical therapist and I can stand by your side and provide support, but I can't fix your issue. So... I mean, we oftentimes think that because we are comfortable with this person and we think this person has their head on their shoulders and they're doing things right that they can and they tend to give good advice, but they can't repair you. You know what I'm saying? So they can stand by your side and support you through it, but I can't fix your problem. And I think that's what he was trying to like. He was trying to avoid. But he stepped right in it. Yeah. Step right in it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, uh, well, in terms of the black masculinity question, I can only speak from how I will want to facilitate a relationship that I'm in. And like my only, because I haven't been in many relationships and the one that I feel as though, um, where I've learned so much. And even though we're not dating, I live with my best friend who's a male and he, um, he's, he's within the LGBT community, but he struggles with black masculinity because he's very masculine presenting. Like people wouldn't know that Mm -hmm. he 
is gay unless he told, told you. Because you. Mm-hmm. otherwise, in his conversation, he's very, very masculine, very Detroit, and you just wouldn't mm-hmm. know. So I feel like in terms of... Um, letting a man be comfortable enough to speak about what they do and don't have. I'm really big on diminishing gender roles because I feel like I learned that gender is a social construct. Mm-hmm. Men have feminine traits as women have masculine traits. Yes. So when we have like, because you are a man and you are black, you have to be masculine. And this is the the lines in which you have to operate. When you step out of these lines, you are teetering, tottering, and you low key could be gay. That to me I, when I get into a relationship, I want none of that. I want to be with another human experiencing human emotions. Without every the human. labels. Yeah, without all of that. Because I feel like when those labels come in, when we, as a man, you are, you have to do, you have to. How about as adults who are responsible, we both have to take care of so-and-so. And if I fall short as an adult, I will help you. But I do expect you to get back on your foot mm-hmm. feet as an adult. Not because you're a, a black man, but just because... We both want to have a healthy livelihood. We both want to live a right, certain way. Right, right. And if you need to ask me for something, I don't want you. I don't want your identity to be so engulfed into black masculinity that you forget you're a human too. Because that's something mm-hmm. that we do to black boys. You're a black man. Hard life is hard. You gotta. You gotta go out here. You gotta be hard every yeah. day, my nigga. True. Mm-hmm. But you're still a human being, mm-hmm. and I'm right, like, within right. your relationship, you need to have a space, safe space to do that. I do think. As a black man, you do have to be hard and you do have to be, as women, we do too. But I feel like in the confines of our relationship, you are totally able to be 100% just a regular human being without all of what the world has to to fuck you up with. Mm -hmm. That's me speaking about black love. I don't know about. uh, (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, the black love is probably the most complicated at this point because we we inherently struggle. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the issue with black love being so complicated, and one of the reasons why I think we should we should definitely have this conversation is because in the black home, from my personal experience, religion dictated everything in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, when it came to how I picked my women, it's like you know a man who findeth the wife. So you find it this good thing. Mm -hmm. So you're already as a man believing that you will never be right because the good comes with her from her. It doesn't exist in you already. You know what I'm saying? So just understanding that the power of religion and then looking at John Gray being who he is very prominent in religion, this kind of tears everything and everybody apart yeah so i wanted to like touch on like just ideals that we have grown up with forever that need to kind of be constructed a different way Mm -hmm. and we can just you know play it however we want to but just to give people an example when you hear that scripture a man who findeth the wife findeth a good thing it's a narrative painted towards the man yeah but as To to benefit him But if you just take the opportunity to see the opposite side of it, when a woman hears this, it would be refreshing if she heard out of all of these women he could have chose and could have settled for, he saw the value in me. Mm -hmm. That's the narrative that's never painted. You always hear, well, a man who found up a wife, get your (laughs) shit together. Now she's paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But if she had the opportunity to see the value one in black men as a whole, maybe she'll see the scripture different and it can grow 
into a different construct. That's mm-hmm. another conversation altogether. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Like defining your life based on your religion in this book. Like I'm not basing That's my life on no Bible. Like I did not grow up in a religious household, so I can't relate to that, mm-hmm. but I can understand how damaging that is to people's thought deep. process. And it's really and, hard. And I, I say many times, these scriptures is in this Bible Anything anyone says, anything in writing, anything expressed verbally can be interpreted more than one way. So the way that you interpret it does not necessarily mean that's the only way that it's meant to be. You can make anything sound, you know, to your advantage. So you can't just throw quotes out there and say this is the way it's supposed to be. John Gray. (laughs) (laughs) But I just wanted, I just want to, you know, enlighten enlighten the the spiritual people that there's so many ways to see love mm-hmm. like there's so many ways to see pain without seeing toxicity yeah there's so many ways to see things but that's how it's pushed though like all of what john gray said was literally toxicity with a bow on top like it was just like toxic and presenting with a bow <laughs> you know and, and see this is, and i understand the error because when i listen and i read and i i understand the error and how he's expressing yeah. it. But I just wish that we would formulate better conversations and get, like, we have to really pick it apart. But not pick apart what he's saying, but the problems with how we are relating to one another and how we're just viewing mm-hmm. love, life, and relationships all together. But I wish that the women took the, I wish that there was a woman there who was emotionally yeah. responsible enough to call him on what he said and what he was saying to women. Mm-hmm. Because not only that, li- linguistically speaking, in terms of what he was saying, he never ever likened his wife to a human being. Everything that he said about his wife was about an object. She's a cover. She's a lid. She's two times bigger than me as a blanket. And I was like, is she a human or is she... What is what is this thing? <laughs> like, what is this object that you're dating? And because this blanket kept me so warm, I will cherish this blanket. And I'm like, what the hell do you want from me? Like, am I your person? Do I get to feel... Because he never spoke from a term of, I put this human being through some bullshit and I love her because she decided to put aside her feelings had he said it like that and then spoke on how her experience but she was never ever mentioned as a human i think that because i went back to try and look i don't know very much about him as person Mm -hmm. and i wanted to have a better understanding because i was really doing some homework like i'm like i need to figure out more about this man like is he the problem or is like i want i want to know you know so i listened to some of his ministries and then i found this um episode where him and his wife were on the breakfast club earlier in the year and i listened to that i watched that and i think that might be better telling than that little clip because okay. there they talk about their marriage more and okay. they express how they went from dating and his pain and right. all of that so it makes more sense they okay. both were engaged previously um and then both of them end up not getting married to the people that they were engaged to and then how they went from dating he was still in pain and did not acknowledge i guess the amount of hurt he was in from that her doing the same she experienced hurt and pain they had a friendship and then it grew and they actually literally it went from dating to marry very quickly probably within a year year and a half's time but i think that's more telling 
opposed to that clip that, that they're clip circulating. That just, yes. And so the pain that he's talking about, none of it ever insinuated any infidelity. Mm-hmm. It sounded more like he just wasn't there or home enough because he was away traveling, trying to build okay. and do this. Mm-hmm. And that was the pain that more so it sounded like he was I saying. Wish he used so I words. yeah, I think that the way that it was conveyed and expressed, it was very extreme. Like I say, it was very colorful. But I just Oof. didn't like I felt like he was being attacked when all if I read from my reading between the lines, he was just trying to say, I respect and admire this woman. And I just feel like I'm just trying to live up to this greatness that I see in her. Right. right. And I that didn't mean that he was falling short. But yeah, he needs to just pick it up a little better. I that. Because yeah. all I heard was, this is my blanket and it's a cool blanket. And it's a great. And I was like, well, fuck that blanket. Well, I'm, damn blanket. Like, I'm sorry. Okay. So um, now that we've kind of like, you know, broke down some different elements of communication between people in love. There's a point to where spiritually they say, you know, love is not self-seeking and it keeps no record of wrongs. So when we say this, that means moving forward, we can't hold the past against one another. Which how we do, do all the time. Yeah. So how do you move forward in black love Ooh. with the same pre-existing struggle? Without looking back and saying, well, remember when John did this to Aventer? Or remember when Jay-Z did this to Beyonce? Or remember when... What I'm going to say is, I make it a point to never really take on opinions about other people's marriages. Because every marriage is constructed differently. People are different. Marriage is what you make it to be. There is no format for how marriage should be okay so that's how i am and so what people have in their marriages and how they set their marriages up is their business so Mm. i can't really speak on that these people i ain't in that marriage am i married to jay-z and beyonce am i married to alicia keys and swiss beats i can't speak on what they do i can't say well this happened with them and that's they shit i'm just glad they keep their uh, advice about relationships to themselves yes Okay, so what I will say is I've had my own share of hurt and pain and I've been hurt. And when I was in a place where I was extremely hurt to the to the point, like to the core that I withdrew from dating, from people, I wanted to be invisible. I did not want to be touched. None of that. I knew for a fact that I was not going to be good to anybody. Mm. So I said, let me get myself together. That took four years. That took almost five years for me to do. I didn't expect it to take that long. I didn't want it to take that long. But I told myself, I just have to take whatever time is meant for me to repair. I know that every man is not like this person that hurt me. I know that even though that wasn't his intention to do so, he did do so. Mm-hmm. So when I got to a point, because I tried to have a conversation with this particular individual and he did not make himself available to me a bit in the beginning to do so. And I tried to move on without addressing it with him directly. But I got to a point where I felt like in order for me to move forward, I have to direct this pain and anger I have toward that person that hurt me. I don't want to be the type of person who cannot move forward in a relationship because I'm so bitter and angry about what this person did that I am holding it against this other person. Mm -hmm. So when I got to the point, I made a letter. I just wrote it out like I was talking to him. Mm -hmm. 
and I found him on Facebook and sent him a Facebook message. Uh-huh. You don't even have to respond. It's I just need you to know how you made me feel. Yeah, absolutely. He responded. He 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 asked if we could talk later. We talked. He acknowledged every part of my letter and he expressed his error. He apologized. He said, I will admit, I honestly never took the time to think about how I made you feel. Mm-hmm. And he um <clears throat> he acknowledged that he was just embarrassed. And he was hurt in his own regard, you know, with the situation that we had. And then from there, um, he expressed his own pain that he had felt. So men sometimes take their pain Mm -hmm. and they, it affects how they interact with you. And so that's what I mean when we're hurting, hurt people, hurt people. And you're not dealing with the pain that you had. I'm glad I got the opportunity to do that. Was that a conversation I was trying to have to get back into better grace? No, we don't have to ever talk again, but I needed you to know how you made me feel. And that lifted up a lot off me. So now I can go forward with dating and relationships and I don't have to hold that. And I don't feel like we as a people do that enough. You know, sometimes you have to step back and take time to get yourself together. So oh, you're word. not holding any past pain from anybody and holding the next person to it. Because it's usually done subconsciously. You don't even realize you're doing it. Right. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> um, I will, because my situation is very unique. I've never been in a relationship for my wonderful 24 years of living. Um <laughs> I have had time to now understand how relationships work, understand manifestation, mm-hmm. trauma, and pain. And so I'm hoping I can only speak for the future. Um, if I am hurt in a way that um, a guy does that to me or a girl, whoever, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping that I can understand that, first of all, we only manifest the things that happen to us. So for me, and it, it happens. I'm not, I always say my best friend because that's the only person I've had outside of family that I can live with and say we have a relationship, we pay bills, all of this stuff, we live together. And there's a, there's situations where I feel abandoned by him. And in learning about trauma and pain, I understand that I manifested that because as a child, I was abandoned by my mother. Mm-hmm. So when he did something to me most recently that I felt abandoned by, I was so angry at him. I was triggered. I was like, how dare mm-hmm. you? Like, you my best friend. You're supposed to have my back, blah, 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 blah. Not understanding that this is who he has always been and who he was. Mm-hmm. But I I felt this way because it triggered abandonment that I had. Mm-hmm. So it manifested in that situation. Yeah. And then I'm ready to attack. So I'm hoping that whatever relationship that I attract and we do run into situations where I'm triggered and you hurt me. I'm also able to say, how did, how did you trigger my trauma and what do I need to do to heal that trauma? Mm-hmm. Right, Cause right. I haven't had a situation where, well there, I do have issues where I'm very dismissive of men and that's part of my issue of dating because of my anger with my dad. I put up with no, like, as soon as I see a red flag, I'm like, eh, sorry, that's not going to work. Part of why I haven't been in a relationship, of people I'm like, that. fuck that, nope, you crazy. Yeah. I don't even give you, t- like, text messages, it don't matter, we could be on the phone, you say something out of line, I'm like, oh, it was so nice, <laughs> be blessed, it's peace, <laughs> like, I'm I'm too, I, mean, I think that's part of anxiety, I'm too scared to even go into it, because mm-hmm. the anger I have towards my dad, I'm just like, I'm going to. Avoid that at all costs. But do you think that when we go into relationships that this is the this is the prominent part of baggage 
that we dismiss because everybody has it. Yeah, like you every know, single everyone. person has baggage, Literally. whether it's a coin purse amount or Come it on. is about seven to ten, fifteen fucking 15 big pounds. duffel bags. Come like on. everybody has it, so you need to determine how much you able to handle and deal with. I don't think it's like, oh, I don't need no baggage. You have your own you set of baggage that you probably don't even know you're carrying on your back. Come on, bag lady. But when I hear, <laughs> like, when I hear women, <laughs> you know, because I feel bad because a lot of the women that were saying some bullshit I didn't agree with was people I loved. I'm like, damn, boy, yeah. who hurt you, sis? Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm feeling it like, But damn. people really hurt out here. And the, the part of it that is really telling is the fact that, like, okay, we'll... We'll look at our baggage and we'll look at our luggage, mm -hmm. which is what you actually want to carry. It's, mm -hmm. it's a more contained and a more conducive way mm -hmm. of carrying your things around. Like usually when you care, like you ever see the people that move into a new home and a new existence, but they throw everything in a trash bag instead of actually boxing yes. and yes. caring for, yes. caring for the their things. things. Yes. Yeah. So you're going into this new space. With things that you really don't care about, but mm -hmm. you just have it with you. Yeah, no, nope, you know I what don't I'm do saying. That. Whenever I move, so, we gonna sift through this. We gonna go into this new space with the things we really want and get rid of things we don't need. And I think that should happen where we're like, like sit down, get to know the person. Like I know people are like, oh, you jump into relationships, da da da. Sit down, get to know that person's past, their trauma, how they react to the trauma. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're walking into. Like right. I have a family member right now who's four years into their marriage and already contemplating divorce because the trauma just hit the fan and they like, Oh hell no. I, and I, the thing with them is they knew before they got married that, that this family had issues. They knew that that person had issues, but now that that shit has walked into their relationship, they like, Oh no, I'm good. Like I'm the, right, that, right. that's real deep. And that's, it's so messed up. They didn't even take the time. So we need to really, like what pointers, okay, for us that know that, you know, mental health is very much important at this point to move forward in life, to be whole as an individual and to also have a relationship. When a person walks into an office seeking therapy, what are the key things that you should walk into when you know you have a relationship issue? Like what key things do you, do you want to suggest to your therapist that you have? upon meeting this person because sometimes we just looking for the therapist just to give us all of the answers mm. so you have to have like some key things to focus on when you walk into this office and say well, i need help what i will say is it's unfortunate when you go through the process of finding a therapist um yeah that's a thing in you have itself. to Okay, I work for a mental health insurance company. So oh, let me cool. just say, um, when you're going through the process, a lot of times, you're probably not going to find the right fit for you the first time around. So when it does not work the first or even second time, then you need to be prepared to ask what you're looking for in your therapist. Mm -hmm. Take the time to figure out what you want from your therapist and, not, and acknowledge and understand every therapist has a different style of providing therapy. Yeah. Some leave it up to you. And they just kind of coach you. And there are some who will give you suggestions and, and have possible solutions. You have to find what style works for you. Um, two, 
figure out do you need someone who you can relate to more it may be best that you find somebody who is of the same ethnic group as you if you feel more comfortable with a woman then seek out women if you feel more comfortable talking to a man find a man um and just understand also um i would say to lose my train of thought good lord um, <laughs> catch it, catch it, catch it. <laughs> okay, so the other um thing that I would say is to um don't worry so much about what will people think. Yeah, you don't have to tell anybody a damn thing. Nobody has to know that you're going to therapy, and everybody. So, which I also find too, people worry about well, what about my record? What record? This shit don't work like a criminal record. It's not just something that somebody can go pull up a report of or go online and Google and see. Well, so and so got problems, and they been in therapy and doing this. Nobody has access to your mental health information mm. unless you give them access to it. Mm. Mm. I ain't never heard that before to know. It's same with medical. Nobody has access to it. Even your you own doctor in some spaces, you have to give permission. You got to be Even a if you, form, don't you? Yes, a release yeah. of information form. Even if you are a dependent on an insurance with your parents or someone else, yeah, you have to know. give them permission. The insurance can't even verify therapy. Yeah. So if your parent or whoever were to call and say, well, is so-and-so going to therapy? Or if they call in the like try and get information we cannot release anything if you are not mm. if it's nothing on file for that so don't think that it's just something that anyone can access your employer cannot access that information Word. you have to they may offer this through you and you sign up for their insurance that does not mean that your job can just call and inquire about any coverage that you're using they cannot do that we cannot release that to anybody Wow. So that I hope that's useful information if those are possible things that help in your journey. I second. I heard. <laughs> I also feel though, as in terms of picking a therapist, that's a word because I am just now three minutes to my old therapist and mm-hmm. I spent a whole waste of a year with this white lady that did not relate to me and I kept mm-hmm. like giving her the benefit of the doubt. And I should have just stayed firm to the mm-hmm. quote when someone shows you who they are. Believe them. <laughs> but I decided to disregard that. So I feel as though this can be used in terms of real relationships and therapist relationships. Yeah. If somebody shows you a red flag and you know within yourself this just ain't it, yeah. please do not just be like, mm, let me try again. Like, no. If that is red, it's not going to turn purple. Yeah. Green is red. Right, red. Just be patient with your process, too. Yeah. You have to be patient with it because because it is very much a lifestyle change and a lifelong process to be better. You're not going to just be healed instantly. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to take that time to meet with people. And like I say, ask necessary questions about what you're looking for. It's very important because a lot of times when they call and they're looking for therapists, they'll ask, well, what kind of ratings do they have? What kind of reviews? Mm-hmm. We don't have a rating system at the insurance company. That's up to you to take that name and that information and go to Google or look them up and find out what you can. You can find our reviews online of people letting you know, you know, how they are. We can't provide that. So you have to, you know, just do your research on these people because every therapist, um, yeah, it's different. some of them are kind of wacky out here. So be careful and... I definitely suggest that, like, if you know you're going into a new relationship and let's just give a hypothetical number. You've had four unsuccessful relationships and you 
as a 35, 36-year-old or possibly 40 or 50-year-old woman feel like you've been birthing niggas, you need a therapist, not a boyfriend. Mm. Like, real shit. Like, I don't want I don't want to minimize your story. I don't want to give discredit to your feelings. But if, in fact, you feel like you birthing niggas, maybe you have a mother's nature. You, you give certain type of things off, and you need to find out why that is within you. If you are a man that is 30, 40, or 50, and she's burping you, my nigga, <laughs> you need therapy. John Gray. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like you need to, you do need that. I think that like sometimes we look to people to kind of place the bandages on our circumstances and just make us feel these momentary, like these pain relievers, these Mm -hmm. ibuprofen relationships, like where they and the moment that they don't provide it no more, we decide to move on. Right. Or I also want you. I mean, also in the dating process, understand the dating process is the getting to know a person and not you know a what checklist. I'm saying? so it, it's not like you you i understand like you can't keep just trying to fill these spots and these blanks first of all f- figure out what matters to most to you to have in a relationship mm-hmm. and what you cannot absolutely do without but understand that every man is probably not going to possess everything and mm-hmm. some things will take you cultivating you you know i don't want to be the type of person where I date somebody like oh well you got this and this but you're missing that that and that I don't know about this you know what I'm saying so it's kind of like the dating process is to get to know a person and the only way that people ever really sometimes get better or you know every person I've dated I've gotten something from them I've learned something (sighs) whether Whether it is positive or negative, I learn something from every relationship. Okay. I either learn something about myself or I learn it helped me to figure I out what I do or do not like. Mm-hmm. So each relationship, I say focus less on your checklist, yes, and focus more on how it's helping you to be a better person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if a person is around and they are not giving you anything back, then you let it go. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want it to be reduced to that nigga is a, is a kid. I can't, like, right. some do be on their childish shit. I get it. And my mentor also told me you cannot attract what you are not. So mm-hmm. even if you feel like that person just ain't shit, da, 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 oh, hell no. Nah. There's something about you that allow for that energy to come to you. Like, yeah. you can't attract what you wouldn't tolerate in the right. first place. So I feel like it's always, always a lesson, even in the ones you don't like. Absolutely. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's, um... It's been points in um, my growing pains, too, because, like, a lot of times when I talk to people, I've had I've had to always explain myself to other men because men thought I was like the green goody two shoes. He just say whatever um, to get women, you know, and oh, we another Derrick Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> that pussy ass nigga. I hate his ass. <laughs> I hate his ass. But. Like, they used to look at me like a Derrick Jackson. Like, I'm going to just say whatever a woman wants to hear and not actually sympathize or not actually show the empathy of, you know, understanding what you're going through. So I used to have to always prove myself. And I remember picking the women that needed whatever it was that I had to offer because that meant that I was being heard. I got tired of 
always saying the right thing, but nobody caring about me having anything to say. Right. But then here's this person who needs my absolute help. Mm -hmm. And I get to just unravel their situation and really get to exercise my existence mm -hmm. in these relationships. Now, true enough, I can stand here and say I ain't cheated on nobody. I ain't done all of this fuck shit before, but I was still an imperfect person mm -hmm. and I was still a person that made mistakes and not yeah. understanding self and others. So when we go forward in picking relationships, a lot of times you're not supposed to adjust your checklist. You're supposed to check yourself mm -hmm. and adjust yourself. You know what I'm saying? So when I Absolutely. stepped into, when I stepped into a new relationship, the funny thing about how, you know, self-awareness and God works is that a lot of things show up to you when you're not even expecting it mm -hmm. because I wasn't even looking for the partner that I have. I, I totally had a friend. And see, that's how I go about dating, too. I've never, anybody that I ever talked to, any relationship I've honestly ever been in, it just came that way. Just natural. From naturally talking yeah. to people. Um, I don't actively go out, let me go find a boyfriend a day. You know, like, <laughs> I don't do that. Like, even if I've done online chat and talking, you know what I'm saying? They'll ask me, so what you on here looking for? And I tell them nothing. Yeah. I'm not on, I, I'm literally, I've been on these dating sites and I've, I'm not really looking for anything but just conversation. Mm. And I will say, I just want to, I'm just looking to get to know, get to know you, have conversation, that's it. But I'm not looking for my husband. I'm not looking for somebody to sleep with and I'm not looking for a boyfriend. I'm mm -hmm. just here for conversation. And those have been some of the best conversations and friendships I've ever had. Right, and right. even with some, when it didn't work out, we still maintain friendship so that's how i've always gone about it and then we romanticize marriage Woo. and see this that's is strange. the shit like this shit that john is going through with voicing himself outside of his marriage this be the shit that people be going through behind closed doors not saying nothing at all yeah, yeah. so like understand when this man is speaking outwardly about you know his relationship in some degree like know that that's the equivalent of the shit that you're going through that is in secret. Mm -hmm. Like you are no different than this broken man and this broken woman. Like mm -hmm. get off your high horse, sis. Look, if you feel like you birthing niggas, go to therapy. So mm -hmm. like when I stepped away from the ideal of going to church every Sunday and actually caring about my mental health every mm -hmm. Sunday or caring about my, my mental health Monday through Friday mm -hmm. and opposed to just focusing on it on Sunday. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because Sunday is therapy for most people. It ain't the fact that you going to church actually praising and giving worship. You thinking that I'm just going to go this one day a week to mm, deal with my, my problem. Down. Lay my burdens down. Oh, that's a literal song. You know what I'm saying? And you singing that shit with like like pep and, and vibrance, not realizing that you singing your own condemnation. Well, mm -hmm. So you know what I'm saying? Like, so these ideas that we we live with our whole entire life we really do need to be broken down and the lines of communication has to be reestablished. I really feel like it's a lot of time spent on looking at what happened and not looking forward to what we can change. You know what I'm mm. saying? And it's, I mean, it's fucked up that, you know, we've stripped women of so many beautiful things and so many wonderful opportunities. Mm -hmm. We need to live up to, our God-given purpose and make sure that we ally the right way by stepping back, shutting the fuck up, letting them speak, 
letting them get their frustrations out and saying, what can I do for you moving forward? Mm -hmm. And it's not y'all, just y'all doing alone. Women are definitely responsible for how we raise our men. Like we, like I, I can remember being, being raised in the household. My dad was a belligerent drunk and Mm -hmm. our family always be like, it's something about them mamas and they sons. They, you know, they, they, it's a special bond. And it's like, women are literally cultivating this same toxic energy and i know that people always say there's not toxic femininity but if there was that's a part of it letting the men have irresponsible behaviors and you're like no i love my baby you know like you're not letting him hold these people accountable when a girl mess up and she out here them us girls we are held accountable till the cows come home I just don't, I personally feel like men aren't given the same and they're oftentimes given the past. And I feel like it's it's not just by men That's true. inherently being trashed. Women are responsible for not holding this man accountable. And I even see that when like we have our female friends and if a female do us wrong, it's like, fuck that bitch. No, I don't, I don't trust these hoes. But if a man do it, it's like, you know, it's okay. You know, it's, it's right, <laughs> right. And that to me is like that's toxic because mm-hmm. we don't give our counterparts the same energy. Keep right. that same mm-hmm. energy. Get y'all shit together, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'm just like glad we got the opportunity to have a constructive conversation because next week John Gray gonna do some more fuck shit so and we're gonna be him. right back here <laughs> because And he was giving that same like I still feel like, and I know this is off topic, but that damn Trump conversation, when they let that black man sit there and say he's the best president that has ever been for black people and not a black man and nobody (laughs) even looked like everybody just put their head down like "Mm, nobody even held this brother accountable so not only do women not hold men accountable men are not holding men accountable because there's no way as a black woman if a table full of black women did that same damn thing one of the black women in the room was like, sis, shut your damn mouth. Like, you really out of control. He's lying. This is not true. Right. He sat there. And then even the church as a collective was like, he was doing it for the Lord. So we still love him. Nobody wow. ever let him. Nobody. He was never held accountable. So he keeps coming out the woodwork with the Trump shit. And everybody loves him. Then he comes out and says his wife is a blanket and not a human being. So he's the one who said him. that about Trump? No, his, no, his, his counterpart was. The guy okay, but I'm he just... was the one who caught the heat because he was the most popular oh, uh, pastor at the table. Okay. Right. So definitely, um, if you do have any opinions on anything that we said, definitely live tweet us and do the hashtag Our Two Cents Pod. If you want to leave a personal descriptive message, uh, definitely hit us up in the email. It is our, the number two, sensepod at gmail.com. You can uh, again follow me at DergoBJ, D-E-R-G-O-B-J on all social media. And I will let these women give their personal social media and contacts and handles. Go ahead. Um, you can find me Mona Lisa at Mona Lisa M O H N A L Y S S A A, and that can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook all the time at t- uh, Twitter is at underscore Takenya T A K E N Y A H. Oh, on Instagram I don't post much, but I'm there um, at Takenya T A K E N Y A H, and Facebook is the same. 
Tell to Kenya to bring back her fucking podcast. Okay. Hell like, no. <laughs> tell her as soon as y'all hear this shit, I want y'all to jump on her shit, oh blow her God. shit up, and tell her to bring back to Kenya Talks. Like that is another form of therapy because she definitely points out a lot of things that Thank a lot you. of people deal with. And I don't necessarily understand all of this until she speaks on it. So tell her to bring her show back. Definitely follow her YouTube page as Hashtag well. Hashtag TK Retime. <laughs> <laughs> and um, check us out again in another two weeks. We're going to try to get you another thought-provoking conversation. Thanks for listening. God bless. Stop babying niggas. Period. John Gray. You okay? <laughs> <laughs>